special of whoa hey here i am we got a special performance here from our children in the, the upcoming children's play as a quick reminder on this this saturday is a dinner and a show okay dinner's five dollars that's it five dollars you can't get a dinner and a show for five dollars anywhere in this county okay i've tried i can't even do it at home <clears throat> But it's going to be amazing. And that $5, you're not just paying for the, the meal. You're paying for, it's going towards missions, okay? And that's what this is all about, missions. These stories that these kids are going to tell uh, during this, this play is just absolutely amazing. Not only Saturday night they're going to perform, but also Sunday evening they're going to perform. But not tonight, next Sunday. Next Saturday, next Sunday. 
okay? So, I'm going to turn it over to our kids in this song that's called Faith Believes the Impossible. It's easier said than done to stay true to who you know you are. It's easier said than done to be in the world but not forget your call. One decision can change everything and set the course of your life. Will you look to God or go? y'all listen to the words of that. Maybe you didn't. Faith believes the impossible. That's pretty awesome. Um, if you guys will please stand with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near. 
can see the light that is coming for the heart that holds on. A glorious light beyond all compare. And there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on the earth. And I will fear no Your breath in our 
Kids, come on down. Before I get started with the kids, I forgot to mention one thing. If you do decide to come Saturday for the uh, dinner and a movie, dinner and a show, make sure you sign up out in the foyer so we know how many people to, to expect that evening. Well, top of the morning to you. You don't have your lucky charms this morning? No. Pretty good. Okay. Obviously, I'm not... Irish. <laughs> Obviously, right. But I'm going to tell you a story about St. Patrick's Day. Okay? Does anybody know who St. Patrick was? Who is he? Exactly right. You know what the, the world sometimes leaves that part out? They say that this guy named Patrick 
went into Ireland and just got all the snakes out of it. And that's all he did, right? That's what they say. That's not what really happened. Did you know that, that Patrick was actually not from Ireland? What? What do you mean? All right. Really, he was from England. <clears throat> and when he was about 16 years old, he was kidnapped and taken to Ireland as a slave. And he was made to be a shepherd over a flock of lambs, a flock of sheep, right? Okay. And eventually, while he was there, he was praying to God the whole time to get him out of it. Well, God showed him a way. He managed to escape, and he went back to England. Well, when he got to England, he went back to his parents, talked to them for a little while, became a priest, and then you know what he decided to do? He decided to go back to Ireland again to talk to the people that he was already, that he was enslaved under, so that he could tell them about Jesus, just like he said. He spread the word across the entire island of Ireland about Jesus. Okay? So that's what we should do, no matter what we have to go through. Okay? We might be taken and put in some place that we don't want to be, but we should be telling everybody in that place about Jesus, living, living our lives for him. Okay? One thing he used, uh, Eli, stand up for just a second. <clears throat> See that shamrock on Eli's shirt? Okay. That's one shamrock. Turn around so that everybody can see. Model for us. There you go. All right, now turn back around here. <clears throat> on that shamrock, there's three different parts of that shamrock, right? But it's all one shamrock. That's kind of like the Trinity. That's like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Even though there's three different parts, it's all one piece. Y'all remember that throughout this week and throughout your lives, okay? That take that, you can take something as simple as a shamrock and you can share the word of Jesus about the Lord to them, okay? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for Patrick that even though he was taken as, as a slave, made to do stuff he didn't want to, Lord, and he, he managed to escape through your power. He went back to those same people to spread the gospel of you, to teach everybody about you so that entire country could hear your word. Uh, he used things like the shamrock uh, to teach about you and, and the Holy Trinity, about your life and who you are fully. Now, Lord, be with each and every one of these kids we go through this week. In your precious and holy name we pray.
right, y'all be seated for a minute. How's everybody today? I would just like to say thank you to those of you that suggested I name my boys James and John after last week's sermon. It hit me right here, Sons of Thunder. Um, is there a testimony in the house today? I want to give space to God's Spirit. We will be in Revelation chapter 2 today. And as we go through this, I ask that you remember what 2 Timothy 3.16 says and what 3, 2 Timothy 3.17 says. It says, For all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness that the man of God may be furnished unto all good works. Sometimes that's a bit to bite off. God, well, well we just like your word and it, it's good and when it steps on our toes, well, God, just back off a little bit, okay? We're your people. You love us. Let's see. When we did Malchus, we started on this side, correct? We're going to start over here today. We'll do the first church, second church, third church group over here. If you want to stand up for the churches as we read, full beholden. But as we read each church, I ask that each section stand up. But before we get started, let me pray. If you would, put your hand on the Word of God. Make contact. Father God, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for the example that you give us in your churches. Father, how you speak to us through the churches in Revelation. Father, this is just a building. It's made out of pine. It's made out of chalk. It's made out of sand and limestone. It's made out of asphalt. God, it's nothing. It's just a building. But, Father, we are your children that are inside it. We are your church, Lord Jesus, as you have said. Open our hearts today to you, God. Father, we need you. God, we need change from you. Take our hearts of stone today, God. Give us hearts of flesh that we may seek more clearly. Father, that as we were told in the book of Revelation to have an ear to hear, that we listen deeper, God, and that we understand. God, open our minds, our ears, our hearts, and our eyes. Father, that we would love you, that we would know you, and that we would act upon that accordingly, God. We give you all praise, glory, and honor. We ask it all in Jesus' holy name. All God's people said... Amen. All right. Section 1 over here, Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Now, I'm reading from King Jimmy. I like King Jimmy. It's what I grew up with. It's not the only version of the Bible. I have a stack of them I study from. I just, I like it. It's what I grew up with. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and have found them liars, and have borne, and has patience for my name's sake. You have labored, and have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from, where, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. 
or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou have, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. you may be seated. All right. All of these churches are very similar in the, well, the letters are all similar in the way that Christ addressed the churches. First, there's an introduction. There's what God knows, loves. There's what God hates, and he knows about it. There is a commission to go and do something about it. There's, except for one of them, there's an or else. But then there's a, there's a promise. There's a payoff. And it's something that I think is valuable to us as a church here at Northside. It's valuable to us as the church worldwide. It's valuable to us as individuals. There's a lot of allegory in these passages. We're going to set the allegory aside. We're going to dig into the meanings of what God's saying for your benefit, for my benefit, for our benefit. All right, let's start with the introduction. We're, we're talking to the church at Ephesus here. How does Christ introduce, introduce himself, section one over here? What does he say? He says what? He, he's, he's writing to the pastor of the church, the angel, the messenger. But how does Christ introduce himself? I hold the seven stars in which hand? My right hand. Now, we've talked about what God says is important, correct? I hold the seven stars in my right hand and... What else? I'm walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, last week we learned that the seven golden candlesticks are what? They're the churches. The seven stars are? They're the pastors of the churches, the angel, the messenger, the episkopos, as the Greek says. All right? I hold the pastors in my right hand. Now, for those of you that have already started thinking about lunch, I'm about to take care of lunch for you. In Middle Eastern culture, what's the difference between the right and the left hand? Christ says he holds them in his right hand. On the day of the final judgment, I will separate them into goats and sheep. The, the sheep shall be on my right hand. The goats shall be on my left. The right hand is used for what in Middle Eastern culture? Eating, putting food in. It's the clean hand, yes? Yes, you hope so. Left hand's used for what? Taking care of the food that comes out. It's the dirty hand, yes? There's an expression of a relationship between Christ and the pastors of the church. I hold them in my right hand. I hold them in cleanness. I hold them with the blessed hand. But there's an expectation of the pastors to be what? Clean. Jews don't touch a dead body. If a Pharisee saw a dead body and he touched it with his right hand, let's go back to Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and let's go through all of the weeks and months of purification rituals that have to take place after that. A Jew is going to be very careful not to touch death, not to touch uncleanness with his right hand. So there is an expectation that the pastors 
be holy. Be ye holy, even as I am holy. There's this relationship. Christ says, I am the one that walks among my churches. Christ knows his church. Amen. Christ is in his church. And that's something that we have to remind ourselves of. We, we talk about where two or three are gathered, but where God's church is, there he will be. I walk in the midst. Jesus is in the midst of his church. Amen? Or oh man. So he introduces himself. He says, I hold the pastors in my right hand. It is a pure and clean relationship. I am active in my church. What does he then go on to say? He says, I know what? He says, I know that works. What else? Section one, I know works. I know your labor. I know your patience. Your intolerance of evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Congregation, here's a responsibility for you. It's called biblical literacy. The warrior says it as know your weapon. Know how to use your weapon. Know this word. Anybody that stands in God's sacred four square behind the pulpit, any man that would preach the word of God, me, BJ, Daryl Obar, Danny Wilson, anybody, Brian Carroll, anybody that would stand in God's pulpit, you take this word and you filter what they have to say through it. If it catches up and it hangs up and it binds up and it doesn't pass straight through, it's false doctrine. Amen? The congregation has that responsibility. You have tried them which say they are apostles and are not. Do you recognize false teaching when you hear it, church? Have you tried them? Now, Ephesus is a Gentile church. It was founded by Greeks who crossed across the strait over into the Galatial Peninsula or Turkey, and they established Ephesus. It's a Gentile church. So Christ is speaking to them on things that they would understand. He's talking about apostles, apostles coming from Christ's church. You have tested them and found them liars. You have borne and had patience for my namesake, and you have labored and have not fainted. That's a lot to take in. I come from a family of all boys. This, this letter here is to my mom's favorite. He's the good kid. In a couple of weeks, we'll get to my church, Laodicea. I'm the bad kid. I know you're all shocked and amazed by that. But th th this is one of my brothers. He's the good kid. He's the one that always does what mama tells him to. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Right up and he's gone. Me, I'm the one. Mama, the bed's so comfortable. No, get up. Two hours later, get up. Ephesus seems to be doing pretty okay, right? I know your work. You're working hard. The, the quality of your work, they're great things. You, you are just doing a, you're doing an amazing job at this. In this ministry, you're working hard. You've got patience. You're forbearing. You, there's two types of patience mentioned here. The first patience is what we most often pray for. God, give me patience. And God says, really, here you go, the kind we don't pray for. 
The second patience is something that a lot of times we as Christians forget about, that we overlook. The word means a cheerful endurance. If it's something I've got to endure, why should I be happy about it? A cheerful endurance. Ephesus is a wealthy city. Ephesus actually invents something that we still use today. They invent a system of banking. They invent a system of debit and credits. They're very math-oriented people. That's why when Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, talking about the width, the depth, the breadth, the height, the the broadness of the love of Christ. He speaks in numbers because these people understand numbers. And Christ is sitting here. I know this. You've got this tally mark. Yeah, I know this. You've got this tally mark. You're doing a great job in these things. In these things. But I have somewhat against thee. You have left your first love. Now, what is a first love? Section one. What's the first love? Jesus. I mean, they're, they're forbearing for his name's sake. <laughs> You've left your first love. Jesus is your first love. Think of that zeal that you had that moment you first got saved. Whoa, I want to tell the world Jesus is alive. Jesus died. He was, he was crucified on that cross. That precious blood was spilt. He spilt it for me. Whoa, come on. Get that zeal. Zeal for the church, zeal for God. It's easy to lose that in ministry. It is. Pastor once told me, it's okay to get tired in the work. But when you get tired of the work, it's time for a heart check. It's okay to get tired in the work. And I think Christ is reminding them of this. It's okay to get tired, but you, you, you're... you're you're seeking out. You're, you're holding good doctrine. You've got to remember, the church at Ephesus is only about 40 years old when this letter's written. We turned, what, 26 this year, last year? That, that's going to be my soon-to-be baby driving age. That, that's the distance we're talking about from where we are. It's a young church. It, it's founded by... It's founded by Paul, started out as a house church, grew into a regular church. It's a young church. And they're, they're sitting here focusing on keeping false doctrine out. If false doctrine will come to a church where people have literally seen Jesus, they have experienced him. These people know John. They know John personally. John, once he gets off the Isle of Patmos, goes to Ephesus. He hangs out there for the next few years until he dies at about 108, 107 years old. They know people that have seen Christ, and yet false doctrine is trying to creep in. But you've left your first works. Remember, therefore, here's the, what you need to do. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and do the first, repent, do the first works, and here's the or else, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of the place, except thou repent. Repent. From where you've fallen. Well, excuse me. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent for the fall 
get back up going, and when it happens again, repeat. Remember, repent, repeat. Go back. Or else I will come and I will remove your candlestick. I will take care of the church. There will be Ichabod placed across your door. The spirit will depart. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. What? Jesus is love. Jesus is tolerant. Not of sin, he's not. Who are these Nicolaitans? What? What's their doctrine? I'm glad you asked. We'll get to it in a little bit. You hang on to that. I promise you, it will tie into your Sunday school lesson here shortly. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. If you have an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says. And he's not talking just to Ephesus. He says to the churches, right? He's saying, this, this promise isn't just for you. This promise is for my people. This is for my church. This is for the church in its locations. To him that overcomes, I will give... Oh, excuse me. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. See, now we're going back to Genesis here. This is the first time that the tree of life has made an appearance since the first couple of chapters of Genesis. In Proverbs, Solomon talks about a tree of life, a, a kind woman's words are a tree of life to those around her. It's talking about a wellspring of joy and life to people that are around you. This is talking about the tree of life. We haven't seen it since Adam and Eve got their eviction notice. God took it away. I've heard it said that death is the second greatest mercy God has ever shown man. For if Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree of life after eating of the knowledge of good and evil, they would have lived eternally in damnable sin. Death is the second greatest mercy God has shown. Christ's blood is the first. I will give him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Church at Smyrna, if you would, please ride for the reading of God's word. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear not of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, and ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt in the second death. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. So how does Christ introduce himself here? Section 2. He says, I am the first and the last. He that was dead and is alive. Both of these we have already seen over in chapter 1, right? Talking about the high priest, talking about Christ's godship, his deity. It's first mentioned of God, he that which was, which is, and which is to come, he that was and died and has lived and will be alive forevermore is Christ's deity. He's reassuring them of his deity. Why? Because Smyrna is a Jewish church. It has a heavy concentration of Jewish people 
And so Christ is speaking to them in terms that they can understand, terms that they can relate to. I am the first and the last. I have an eternality. I am. We have the expression of God's name in his title here. I am. Before Abraham was, I am. That's something we need to remember a lot of times about God. A lot of times we want to... God sees the situation, but God just really doesn't care enough to get involved. I am loves you. I am is involved in your life. I am takes a personal interest in you. I am seeks your betterment. I am seeks for you to have the best life. Now, the best life we're talking about here is not your best life now. A lot of times, we in the church, when it comes to ministry, we look at quantity as an indicator of quality. Let that sink in. We look at the quantity as an indicator of quality. Why? Why do we do that? We look at churches that have 5, 10, 25, 50, 100,000 people. What difference are they making in their community? What difference do they make in their world? Some of these churches have a tremendous influence. But brother and sister, let me remind you, Jesus took 12 old redneck boys from boats, tax table, all these different walks of life. He took good old, 12 good old rednecks, and he changed the world. We're still talking about him 2,000 years later. Friend, quantity does not indicate quality. Amen? When you are in your ministries, when God has called you to a ministry, it doesn't matter if you preach to a congregation of five or 500,000. quality needs to be filtered through this book talking about riches talking about poverty I am a dead I was dead and am alive I am I know thy works in tribulation and poverty but thou art rich I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews but are of the synagogue of Satan we have another indicator that this is a Jewish church he's speaking to them in what they know well, we're Jews of the highest caliber. Sons of Sceva said the same thing, didn't they? They got a tail whooping. Again, congregational responsibility. We called it what? Biblical what? Literacy. Know your Bible. Read it. Absorb it. Know how to use it. That's one thing my brother over here tries to instill in your youth. Read it. Know it. Know how to use it. That's what I, along with his other helpers, try to instill in your youth. Read it. Know it. Know how to use it. Know your weapon. Let it become one with you. You become one with it. Know this word. Try those. 
Try the doctrine that comes into your church. But fear none of those things which thou shalt, thou shalt suffer, for behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Tribulation. What? What do you mean, tribulation? The preacher on TV said, My thousand dollars guaranteed me I'd be healthy, wealthy, and wise. I got a guarantee. It came across the ticker tape on the bottom of the TV. He said, He said, If I just gave a thousand dollars to his jet fund, I'd be okay. I'm not supposed to be having tribulation. I'm not supposed to be going through trouble. I'm not supposed to have my hand on a cross. Nail, 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 nail. I'm not supposed to be experiencing trouble. Friend, if you are living the truth, if you are preaching the truth, you are teaching the truth, if you are absorbed in God's Word, if you are absorbed in this biblical literacy we're talking about, you're going to have enemies. You're going to have enemies within the church. Let that sink in for a minute. People you call brother and sister, you will have enemies when you begin to live the church, when you begin to live true and honest doctrine. You're going to make enemies. You're going to have tribulation. Why? Because Satan's hand is firmly on the cradle on the church in America. He is rocking us. He is lulling us to sleep. He is saying, you're okay, you're saved. Just go back to sleep. Just be comfortable. Enjoy comfort. You, you don't have tribulations a bad thing, baby. You don't need that. No, ma'am. No, sir. Tribulation is a great thing for you. It cuts the junk out of our lives. It draws us closer to Christ. If you're wealthy and you're a blood-bought Christian, and you are earnestly seeking God, praise God. David and Solomon were both wealthy men. Solomon's wealthiest man that ever lived. God can use a rich man. If you're poor, and you're barely making it from week to week on your check, but you're seeking God, praise God. God can use the poor man. We know about the widow's mites, don't we? Yeah. We know about her two cents, but we know about the glory of Solomon in all his array. God can use it. Paul said, it doesn't matter from the times I have been rich to the times I am poor. I have learned that no matter where I am on that spectrum, I can be content in God's glory, in God's grace, I can be content with knowing that he was dead and is alive, that he was, that he is, that he has come back and is living forever. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. Now, this is one of the allegorical things. I want to explain it just so that we're not, well, I'm, I've, I've only got 10 days of trouble whenever, I fought, whenever Satan attacks me. It's only going to last 10 days. No, that, that's not what God's saying here. It's, the 10 days is commonly attributed to 10 rulers of Rome. You've got Domitian, you've got Trajan, Marcus Aurelius, 
Septimus Severus, Maximus Thrax, Decius, Valeria, Diocletian, Licinius, and Julian. All ten of these guys hated the church. All ten of these guys killed Christians. All ten of these guys make Hitler look like a little girl with pigtails. So there's a season for the church. The church is going to have tribulation. Amen or oh man. If you are living it, you are going to have tribulation. Why? Because Satan sees something in you. Satan sees something in the church that is pleasing to God, and he wants to destroy it with every fiber of his being. He has been cast down, he has been cast out, and he wants to take as many with him when he goes as possible. But what's the payoff? They don't have an or else. There's not an or else there. Christ knows the tribulation they've got. He knows how they're being abused. He knows how they're battered, how they're worn. There's no war else. At least not one that's expressed. In the wee hours one night when I was studying, I found one that I thought was implied. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Well, David, there's not an or else there. No, there's, there's not one said... He doesn't say, be faithful or else. Be thou faithful unto death. Some of us can't be faithful to the end of the work day. Some of us can't be faithful until we get through with lunch on Sunday afternoons. I know because I've been there. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. What's the implied? Deny me before men, and I'll deny you before the Father. Deny me before men, and I'll deny you before the Father. Hold fast my faith. Be patient with cheerful joy. For my name's sake, be faithful unto death. I was talking with a gentleman this morning, and he and I were verse back and forth about you know there's a lot of a lot of days in my life where I have to get up and ask myself God do I have the faith today to be faithful unto death and I told him you know sometimes God comes back to me yeah you got the faith to be to, to die for me but do you have the faith to live for me oh God let's 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 get the gloves up that was below the belt do you have the faith to live for me a lot of us aren't afraid of dying we're afraid of living in God's glory we're afraid of living in God's grace. We're afraid of living in obedience to God. Faith gave Noah the blueprints. Obedience built the boat. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to everybody. He that overcomes shall not be hurt in the second death. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. You're not going to be hurt in the second judgment. The second death. 
It holds no power over you because you've got your crown of life. You've got your ticket. You have overcome. You have been faithful even to the point of death. You have overcome, and you shall not be hurt in the second death. Section 3, if you would please stand. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write these things, saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast given them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak, to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Told you we'd get back there. Which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in that stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saying, He that receiveth it. Thank you. You may be seated. How does Christ introduce himself? I'm the one that has the sharp sword with two edges. From chapter 1, we know where it comes from. Where does it come from? His mouth. We keep talking about the sword. We keep talking about how sharp it is, how it cuts through bones down to the marrow, how it cuts sinews, and it cuts tendons, and it cuts through muscle, and it gets to the very heart of the problem. Christ doesn't say, I'm going to come and fight them with spears and shields and trebuchets and catapults and bazookas and AKs and all this fun stuff. He says, I'm going to fight them with the sword of my mouth. I'm going to fight them with the word. Why? Because I am the word. Now, Pergamos is most likely a church founded by Paul. It's even younger than Ephesus is. It's probably only about 30 years old, 35 years old. It, it's, it's founded on Paul's last trip through the Galatian Peninsula. It's a young church. We're 26. That's four years away, five years away. They've given space to false doctrine. They've given space to all kinds of uncleanness, all kinds of evil. But he says, I am the sharp sword. What does he say he knows about them? Where, where do they live? Where Satan's seat is. Now, your, some, your translation may say throne. Uh, the actual word here is not Im implicative of like a king's throne. It's not implicative of like the big gold chair. It's more of a reference of your comfy chair at home. That armchair, it's 30 years old. It's ugly. It's covered in the worst fabric, but you sit down. Oh, oh, that's it right there. That spring hits that spot in my back, that sword. Oh, 
God, thank you for this chair. I love it. It's so comfortable. It's ugly as sin, but I love it. That's the kind of chair we're talking about here. And he refers to it as belonging to Satan. There's a temple to Zeus in Pergamum. And it's called the throne of Zeus. He talks about Antipas. Antipas, being the martyr, he was the pastor at the church of Pergamos. Now, Antipas gets called in because they're casting out devils. They're loving on the word of God. They're preaching the word of God. People are getting saved. And Satan's power is diminishing and diminishing and diminishing and diminishing. The early church father, Irenaeus, who actually knew these guys, goes on to say that the devils went to the, to the priests at these other temples and saying, you know what, our power is diminishing. You've got to do something about this. Take it for what it's worth. But these priests go to the, the president of Turkey who just happens to live in Galatia or happens to live in Pergamos. Pergamos is the capital. It's, it's Washington, D.C. for all intents and purposes in its day. We, I mean, this could easily be the church to Washington, D.C. I know where Satan's seat is, and you're right there in Antipas. He's your pastor, and he, he was my faithful martyr. Antipas is so just, I mean, if Christ called you his faithful martyr, he's so in tune with God. He's preaching the word. He's casting out devils. Miracles are being performed. Trajan. We talked about ten days being the ten emperors. Trajan, the second one on the list, takes him and says, takes him into the temple of Zeus, where Zeus's seat is and at the altar he says you will give a sacrifice and build an altar to Zeus Antipas says no dice not doing it I'm being faithful unto death they then bind Antipas put him in the bronze bull and what happens inside this bronze bull is he is bound ankles and hands he's kind of hog tied they build a fire under this bronze bull. And as the bull heats up, Antipas is roasted alive. The smell of burning hair, the smell of flesh, and normally people are screaming and their screams resonate inside this bull so that it sounds like the bull is bellowing out in the field. That's what it was designed for. It was so bad that when the man that invented it brought it to Trajan, Trajan killed him in it for creating such a horrible device. But Antipas is in here, and it's said by the early church fathers that you didn't hear wailing and screaming. You heard, God, be with my church. God, give them strength. God, watch over them as you were calling me home. Take care of my flock, Lord. He died praying for his church. My faithful martyr, says the Lord. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Talked about Balak and Balaam this morning, right? In Sunday school. Balak sees Israel out there. He wants to 
He wants to curse them so that they can overcome them, calls, calls on Balaam. Balaam says, well, let me talk to God. God said, don't you do it. Hey, Balak, I can't do it. God said, no. Well, let, let me send even better guys to go talk to him. Send better guys. Hey, uh, Balaam, Balak wants you to come curse Israel so that he can win, and he'll give you a place of honor. Well, you know, hang out here at night. Let, let, let me pray to God. Let me talk to God about that. God said, fine. Go. Hey, we get to go now. He goes. Actually, the third time, but it's a scenario that repeats. But anyway, he goes. And does Balaam get to get out there and curse Israel? No. Three times they go around the encampment to look at Israel, and they offer up seven sacrifices each time. And Balaam doesn't get to curse them. And it's so bad that when Balaam's on his way back to Balak, what happens? Who talks to him? The donkey! Donkey says, why are you hitting me? What are you doing? There is an angel before us, and it says that, the, that Balak's eyes, or Balaam's eyes were open, and he saw the angel. The angel said, you know what? I was about to kill you and let the donkey go, but now that you see me, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you warning. Don't do this. But he encourages Balak to invite, invite the Israelites over for the afternoon cookout. Hey, y'all come on out. Come hang out with us. We're, we're going to be grilling some steaks <clears throat> over here to our idol. And, and just, just come on. We're having a barbecue. There'll be lots of sweet tea, lots of fried chicken. There'll be steak to go with it. Y'all just come on have a great time. Oh, hey, while you're here, look at my daughter. Isn't she a beauty? Hey, you know what she can do? I, I'm just Go hang out with her for a while. Oh, look at all these other girls. Guys, come in. It says Israel gives themselves over to this false doctrine. They commit fornications. They lift things up to idols. They, they just, just wholeheartedly embrace false doctrine. God, at stake, it can't be wrong. God, it feels so good. It's got to be right. God, mm. Lord, did you try the banana pudding? It's good. They got enticed. Man, I know Satan doesn't do that anymore, does he? Yeah. He tries to lure our churches away. He tries to lure our pastors away. He tries to lure your children away. He tries to lure you away. He seeks the weak, and he works his way up the chain till he gets to the strongest. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Y'all know that I believe the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. There's only two times that Nicolaitans are mentioned in the Bible. We've just read both of them. What do we know about them? There's all kinds of speculation from the early church fathers. One church father says that this is a play on words. Baal, meaning conqueror, and Aam, meaning the people, conqueror of the people, Nikosos, meaning conqueror. Laos, meaning people. Nikolaos, meaning conqueror of the people. They say it's a play on words. It may be. I don't know. I don't think with the gravity of this document that God's going to play on words. He might. I don't know that he's playing on words here. You've got another one that says, or another group of early church fathers that say, well, you know, you've got Nicholas the deacon, and through that deacon, bad doctrine came into the church. 
And then another church father says, well, bad doctrine came in, but his followers misunderstood him about the liberty in Christ. That may be. We're not going to speculate. The fact of the matter is the church cannot decide what their doctrine is, but we know that Christ hates it. So what are some things that Christ hates? In Leviticus, he hates homosexual acts. He hates bestiality. He hates sexual perversion of any kind. In Deuteronomy, he hates idols. He, makes, he hates materials used to make idols, blemished sacrifices, sun, moon, star, and earth worship. He hates divination, astrology, encanters, dishonest scales, witches, charmers, wizards, necromancers, transvestitism, the hire of a prostitute, serial divorce, remarriage to a woman that's been divorced. In Psalm, he hates workers of iniquity, the wicked, those that love violence. He hates passing of children through the fire. Today we call that abortion, ladies and gentlemen. Proverbs, he hates perversion. He hates proud looks. He hates lying tongues. He hates lying lips, a proud heart, hands that shed innocent blood, a wicked heart, feet that run swift to mischief. He hates sacrifices of the wicked. Wicked. He hates the justification of the wicked. He hates false witnesses. He hates sowers of discords, ways of the wicked, thoughts of the wicked, condemning the just. In Isaiah, he hates vain sacrifices, empty feasts, robbery from the burnt offerings. In Zechariah, he hates evil plans to neighbors, false oaths, crossed fingers. In Jeremiah, he hates idolatry. In Malachi, he hates divorce. What is their doctrine? I don't know, but it lands in this list. Their doctrine lands on this list somewhere. Was it casting the stumbling block? Maybe so. Was it eating things offered to idols? Maybe so. Was it passing children through the fire? Maybe so. Is it witchcraft? Maybe so. I don't know. The church fathers can't agree. The only thing we can agree on is Jesus says, I hate their doctrine I hate what they do next week we're going to go on to find that he gives space for repentance he doesn't say I hate the Nicolaitans he says I hate their doctrine I hate what they do God has a list of stuff he hates I don't know about you, but I saw several on there that apply to me. I saw several on there when I first came, when I first started compiling this list the other day of things that speak to David. God, forgive me where I have had the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Forgive me for possessing any kind of doctrine that you hate. Christian. Let's get rid of what God hates. Let's get rid of those things that Christ says, I hate that. I hate that. But God, we're being a tolerant church. We're doing what we're supposed. We're being tolerant of them. No, you don't understand. I hate that doctrine. There are moral def definites well, your morality is not my morality. No, my, my morality is not what God's morality is. God said, he says in Isaiah, this is the path, walk 
in it. Amen or oh man? But, repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in that stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. That talks about hidden manna here. And a lot of times we could, we could confuse that with the Gnostics. The Gnostics had all kinds of hidden gospels. Hey, well, have you read the Gospel of Mary or the Gospel of Thomas? It completely refutes some of the stuff that's in the Bible. You need to come read this. And we're, we're going to initiate you in. You're going to keep this knowledge secret. It's only for initiates that come in. Mm-mm. Jesus said, go and preach the word. Preach it in the highways and the hedges. There's nothing secret about God. There's nothing secret about his word. There's some stuff we don't understand. There's some mysterious stuff, like how a holy God can love a nasty old sinner like me, the mystery of Christ. But there's nothing secret here. I will give him the hidden manna. Have you ever just been in a trial, and then a brother or sister comes up to you, or you, you, you fall upon something in God's word, and it's, God, I needed that. God, you have helped me. That's your hidden manna. God's going to come to you when it's just you and him, and he's going to give you what you need to sustain you. There is your hidden manna. And he, I will give him a white stone with a new name that only he knows and Christ knows. Well, what's that mean? In the judicial system in the Roman era, the jury would go to a box about yay big had a hole in it inside there's a tray on this side of the tray there's a black kind of a cube stone on this side of the tray there's a white flat round stone if he's guilty you grab a black stone set it in if he's innocent you grab a white stone and put it in there and when the criminal was acquitted of the charges he was given the white stone with the charge that he was acquitted he would carry that around. Well, you did this. No, I've been found innocent. Your new name is known by God because God's the only one that knows your struggle. He knows your temptation. He knows what you have fought so earnestly against. He knows the trials that have come to you. He knows the sin that you have battled with. You have been faithful unto death, and you have overcome. My child, because you believe in me, here's your white stone and your name that reflects your struggle. You are innocent. For my Christ to reach in that box, pull that white stone, have my name on it, that only he knows, and give it to me. Man. Brother and sister, friends, family, Jesus knows. That's the consistency through this whole says, this whole lesson in churches. I know. The woman at the well. Well, the man I live with isn't my husband. I know. You've had five, and the guy you're living with now, he ain't your husband. I know. But I'm calling you to repentance. I'm calling you to salvation. Church, he is calling us to repentance. 
Remember where you were and how you fell. Repent. And when you do it again, repeat. Remember. Repent. Repeat. Take it back. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, your word, oh, it's sharp. God, and it's heavy as it sits upon our toes. But, Father, it's light as a feather as it lays upon our heart. Father, open us up to you today. Father, make us a church that you're proud of. Father, where we don't have or else in our name, in our creed, in our doctrine, but, God, that you would be glorified and edified here. Father, have your will and your way. We give you all praise and glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. my heart, Lord Jesus, purge me from every sin. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus, help me the lost to win. Speak to my heart, oh speak to my heart. Speak to my heart, I pray, yielded and still, seeking I will, oh, speak to my heart today. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus, it is no longer mine. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus, I would be holy thine. Speak to my heart, oh, speak to my heart, speak to my heart, I pray. Yielded and still, seeking I will, oh, speak to my heart today. Thank you. It's been good to worship in the house of the Lord today. Um, I would ask if you would to please be seated. Um, just a couple of things. Make sure you pay attention to the items in your your bulletin um david thank you for that word this morning uh and uh speaking speaking to us um if you are a, a member of our church you you should know by now that um we are about to enter into a uh, a
called business meeting for the purpose of approval of uh, Pastor Daryl Obar as our called uh, interim pastor. Uh, we're going to take just a minute or two. I know that some of the, uh, um, I know some folks need to go get folks out of the uh, nursery. Um, and so we will uh, begin that meeting here in just a couple of minutes. If you need to go to the restroom, whatever you need to do, that's fine. But I don't anticipate it will be too long. Just want to give folks opportunity to to step out and go to the go to the restroom or go get children, uh, but I do want to close out the uh, service today. Paul, would you come and close us out officially in a, in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing uh, bringing men like David and uh, and others who have come and preached in this pulpit and uh, taking the time and. The, energy to do the research that it takes to enlighten us on your word. Um, maybe we should all be able to do that, but some people have that talent. I just praise you for that. Lord, we, uh, we with those who have family struggles, so 